Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer, and Herb Lawrence. Hello. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We are coming to you again live from uh, the CHGO studios and uh, not really after a loss, but kind of after a loss, post-game. post, post game. Um, We didn't do a game last night. Nope, we were at the game for the CHGO Crosstown Takeover event. Uh, it was a very fun time. A lot of people out there, even at the Almost Home uh, event pregame, so that was uh, good to see. So we didn't get immediate reactions from last night, so we're going to get immediate reactions from Herb and Vinny to last night's festivities um and then we're going to talk a little bit about also a little bit of last night you know uh, mike clevenger is going to be a part of the conversation but the future of the white Sox rotation in 2024 um even some of the arms in the bullpen that we're seeing right now like declan cronin um and others uh and we're also going to talk about i couldn't lean ramsey he's very tall trying to think of people who would very tall um maybe we won't that's probably it on lean does he have his height on on his jersey Six eight, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> I think he's an inch taller. I think he's six Isn't nine. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and why not take that number? Um, and then finally, we're going to talk about uh, Kylie McDaniel of ESPN's uh, ranking of Colson Montgomery and Colson Montgomery's ranking throughout uh, baseball, the baseball prospect uh, evaluators. Yes, evaluators. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look at all of those. But let's talk about last night, Herb. Hello. Was it fun having Luke Stuckmeyer and Cody Delmendo scream into your ear? Cody was ho- luckily a road down from me. I know the last time we went to Cub Sox and he was like sitting literally left of me. And that was taken up by Luke, who is a little bit more subdued and doesn't care about the results as much as Cody does. You know, Cody, you know, if the, the Cubs lose totally down. If they're up, he is the happiest person that's ever lived ever. And if you guys haven't checked out the video that we have on YouTube, the short of Christopher Morrell hitting the home run, and then Cody and the rest of the Cub fans' reaction. You could see he looks like a kid that just got his gift on Christmas that he's wanted for the last two to three months. Um, but the White Sox season is over, and I would have loved for them to get the sweep in Wrigley Field to have the BP Cup or whatever they call it now. Wintrust. Wintrust, Wintrust Cup, and then move it on and like take a drink from it, like the Stanley Cup, because that would have been it's our— not a cup. It's a trophy. It's like a tower. You can't drink out of it. Well, I no would have put I would have put stuff in it because that's because they they started us <laughs> as the BP Cup and I can't change, but I would have loved to have that. We were three outs away from that, but for the Cubs to win in that dramatic of fashion, 
good for them. Really good for them. The excitement of that crowd was um, a thing I haven't heard before. And I was at the David Bodie Grand Slam walk-off versus the Washington Nationals. Loud, but not last night loud. And so whenever your fan of a, a Cup fan friend tells you, and they don't care about the Crosstown series, you point to last night and you say, the hell they don't. They care just as much, if not more, about that series. They acted like a fool, which they should have. They Congratulations. Act the fool as you want. But don't feign interest into this uh, great series just because the White Sox have gotten the better of the Cubs for the most part in this whole series. So I enjoyed most of that because I know the White Sox season was over. The only thing I didn't enjoy, and I don't know if I should talk about it now or when we talk about Groot Santos, is the pitch selection. And in Vinny's piece, he talks about it a little bit more about how he was pitching to Christopher Morel in that at bat. And I disagreed with it immediately when I saw the ball going deep. I was like, that's a sinker. Dumb. And then I went back home. I was like, oh, middle, middle sinker. Nice. Nice. The one pitch he can hit really hard. Like, does he not watch Christopher Morel ever bat? All I, mean, I know about I know Christopher Morel has 100-plus strikeouts this year and 200 plate appearances. How about throwing that slider again? Huh, whatever. Come on, come on, uh, Yasmani. Call the right pitches. Well, my reaction to the last two days, tremendous games. I mean, with the exception of three at-bats in the ninth inning, that's probably the best series the White Sox have played all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was certainly the, the most entertaining, uh, you know, and, and it, you bring up the way that that stadium went off when that home run went, uh, went out last night. A night before... Luis Robert Jr.'s home run brought to mind Eloy's Thanks Cubs moment. All those homers Abreu hit in 2020. Obviously, there was nobody in the stands that year. But And then how about you go way back, I think it was 2006, that A.J. home run off of Ryan Dempster yeah. at Wrigley Field, right? Good times. And then a night later, I'm getting all sorts of flashbacks of the odd num- uh, oddly high amount of walk-off home runs I've covered at Wrigley Field, despite not being a beat writer covering that team. But I covered the, uh, the Javi Baez Mother's Day Marathon walk-off, however many years ago that was. Covered a Jason Hayward walk-off grand slam in that stadium. I think it was to beat the Pirates. Another walk-off win against the Phillies, maybe that same season. Again, that place, that place goes nuts. And, uh, that's not to say that the place didn't go nuts two years ago when Leori Garcia hit that home run in the playoffs. That's a rate because I believe you can fit even more people in the rate than you can in Wrigley Field. So if it's a sold-out crowd, uh, there's certainly the amount of people to create that kind of moment on the south side as well. But, I mean, when you get a full house full of people who care about what's going on, the Cubs are tra- chasing a playoff spot, let's not forget. So whether they're playing the White Sox or, or playing the Pirates right now, every game is very important for them. Uh, it's exciting. It's baseball. It's fun. I mean, uh, the, the White Sox have not had the ability to do that this year, certainly playing those kinds of meaningful games. And last year they were few and far between uh, as well. So uh, meaningful games with a packed house, walk-off home run, I don't think you can beat that kind of atmosphere. It's really just fantastic. Who has the bigger listed capacity, Wrigley or Guaranteed Rate Field? I'll say the rate has bigger listed, but I do know that they pack a lot of standing, or they used to pack a lot of standing room people in at Wrigley back in the day. Well, the rate used to be like 40 capacity. Then they took down a bunch of rows. So I would say Wrigley because they've been consistently at like 38,000. Capacity for Wrigley listed, 41,649. 
capacity listed for guarantee rate forty thousand six hundred fifteen. Okay. So very close. Wrigley, very close. Has uh, I can fit pack them in more. That's weird. Have they have they added any capacity I, at Wrigley? I have no idea. I think in the bleachers they have, or maybe the front rows. Did they did they add front rows? When they redid the all the concrete, did they push did. The, oh, because the walls the, in? Yeah, because the clubhouses and the bullpens or the, the dugouts are, are further yeah. down the line right. than they were, used to right. be. So I think they did add more. They're uh, under seats. the bleachers. Yeah. The bullpens are under the bleachers now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe there's maybe they added a few rows right in front there. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then they took the, off the top of the ring. Yeah, they right, took the yeah. bullpens out. Yeah, so it's yeah. more there, and Steve Bartman can catch more balls there. Well, and now we have the Miller Light landing, and the other one, the Blue Moon. Oh, well, and also too. Did the Goose Island chop off a lot of uh, seating at the rate? Because that was just rows of seats for yeah. the longest time, right? Yeah, but there's still seating there. Yeah, but it's it's big and wide and spread out. Like I don't think you can pack as many people mm-hmm. in as you can that same amount of spot if it just it just seats. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes a significant difference, but I'm just trying to think of when they might have passed. Yeah. It's a hell hell of a game. It hell was of a game hell last of a game. Yeah. I. I got to I got to fess up. Um, it was very packed, as as you oh, know. Oh yes, and we got to a point in the seventh inning where there weren't really seats in our section. No, um, even though we had seats, tickets um, for those seats. Both you and Sarah Cooley, who was one of our salespeople, and she had some clients with her, they couldn't get seats in our section because either could you not get seats because well, I so think the, other people were in, sitting in our seats, and we were too polite to sell people like. Get the hell out well, of our seats. But Tell them to move. No one took, no, but I don't, I don't know who took our seats. I don't know. I feel like the only people that took my seat was other people, other people from our group. Yeah. So I don't know like where our seats stopped and ended. So like I don't know. I feel like Did you not have tickets on your phone to show again, to I, show people that they were sitting in, your in seat? my seat. Oh, man. I, I would have did that, Vinny. I was sitting in my seat the the ticket I was, I was to, hit the whole time. Yeah. I was uh, going to start policing people, but I, you know, I thought that would be, I don't know, like lame. old school um, Cedric the Entertainer, four <laughs> and five, four and five, get your ass out my seats. <laughs> um, but no, like some guy came up and he was like, he had a group of like fifteen, and he's like, oh, we have seats in row six, and then he walks up to uh, row nine and kicks everybody out of row nine, and it's like, what? How did this happen? Yeah, so I don't know if he had like his phone down. flipped wow. out upside down and was reading row oh, six as row nine. Very well, could be. I, I don't but know. That is that's some that's some so, malarkey right there. And it was like in the fifth inning too. It was really late. Right. Like for the first time coming to the ball, he game. just showed up in yes. the fifth inning. Yes, with, kicking the, people with out. a bunch of people, like twenty people, so. and kicked a whole section of in people the, out. The back row too of the the upper deck. Like I mean, they, you couldn't go any further. It wasn't like he was getting prime seats too. It wasn't like he was kicking people out of scout seats. It was the back row, anyways. And what? And while we're at Wrigley, that ballpark is great, and it's got the historic yeah. feel. Whatever. Still, we were in the upper deck, obstructive view. I didn't see any outs at first. Because there was a pole right at first. I was like, I guess I got to just guess and look at the scoreboard and see if somebody got out. Because literally just a, uh, I guess, roof-loading pole right in front of me. And I was like, the, sta- the stadium's terrible. Whoever calls the stadium number one is blind or has never sat in an obstructive view, which you could do in the 200 level or the 400 level, which we were at. Pedro, Pedro said the exact same. Pedro said that he had been to Wrigley Field prior to Tuesday night, three yeah. times prior, twice coaching with the Royals, and then he and his family went as fans one time when he happened to be up here, uh, and he said they, got see, they, got, they walked around the ballpark, they loved it, so they were soaking in the atmosphere, and they got in the ballpark, and he was sitting right behind a post. <laughs> Welcome to Wrigley. Um, yeah, I... Uh, like, I, I don't know. I was there for Springsteen. I was fine. I got around fine. When you add more people or more baseball people, like, there was just, it's different a different vibe from the concert because, like, less people are out on the actual, like, concourse. Did you, uh, were you on the, the field for Bruce? No, I was, in a seat? I was in the seat. I was in the seat. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was 
three hundreds. I was like three twenty five right, and I was we were like four twenty five right. So I was like basically just like a little bit further. Um, but I got lost many times in Wrigley. Um, like Luke and I went down. He was like, "Oh, they have grilled hot dogs in the bleachers." So I followed the old man. And we walked past the uh, Crosstown Cup. That's not a cup. Um, and then Luke like, touched it and got yelled at. Yes, and we were posing with it. And uh, we tried to go to the bleachers, and then they, like, 100 us at the guaranteed rate. Like, you need bleacher tickets. Which you should. Um, So then we started – I was trying to find pizza for Herb. I got lost in the 100 level. I lost my dad, Luke. So then I, like, just got all turned around. So then I went back with no pizza, no hot dog, nothing. He was lost Um, for at least two innings. Right. And then I came back in, like, the fourth (laughs) inning. And then I get – you know, I I gave Marcos my seat in the seventh inning. I go down, and I sit down in the top of the eighth. The Sox leave the bases loaded. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to – Game's over. I'm going to pack it up. I can't watch White Sox baseball anymore. Uh, It just – it just, you left early. Well, I, I did. I, I, wow. I was just having a pretty rough day, um, and it just seemed like I texted Herb, too, like, any seats up there? He's like, no. And I was like, all right, I'll catch you guys later. And I was like, mm, nothing's going to happen in this game. <laughs> I mean, so I it, feel you, like you, you won. Luke. You should I should have did that. I feel like I jinxed the, the you, socks. You missed the magical homer, too, huh? I think I was walking out wow. as magical hit a home run. Wow. Um, so you're welcome, Nick Madrigal. You're welcome, Christopher Morell. I am to blame. Um, the magical one is hilarious. That 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 home run is hilarious. We're going to talk about the morale one. I feel like that stuff happens, and we're going to have uh, sound from Liam Hendricks about uh, Groot Santos finding that closer mentality. Um, but oh, wait, we, I'm, I'm all thrown off. We start talking about the Crosstown series, whatever. We'll get go out ahead, of the way. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. But uh, that magical, like the, the the even though the Cubs hit two home runs, the Gavin Sheets home run is the most annoying home run that happened. In that game, to why me. is that? Uh, and I said, told you immediately when it happened. I was talking to Mario, like, "Hey, what is this like, like Hawks wise?" And he said, "It's like uh, 2016 Brandon Bullock, a guy that is on the team, and you're not like last from the past a- against him, right? Like, I don't want to root against Gavin Sheets, but like that's his first home run in two months. You're gonna you're gonna pull this out like two months later. Like, we're just saying, never. like, why is he playing? What is his his point? And then you know he was he, playing because Eloy was was hurt. That's right. Yeah. And there, no, there's a, there is a reason too. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, but like it's just like you know. And of course he he hits a home run. It's like ah, this isn't. I I related him to like those long erasers used to get to uh, at the uh, book fair. Um, you know, like they yeah. they really never worked because they were just like long and sure. flexible and floppy. Yeah, then they'll break. Um, but of course he busts out a home run. It's just like, like, where has that been? Like, could you not just uncrank on righties like all the time? Like we had the whole Sugar thing. Um, Jake Berger's been doing fine. He's oh, been yeah. able to hit lefties. Crushing. He's been able to hit righties. Eh, not so much with Gavin Sheets. That's kind of how I feel about Mike Clevenger's performance last night. I was like, and I know we're going to talk about it later. I was like, man, I wish the Cubs would rough him up a little bit so we can not have this. But nope. Well, and Cody's like, they're a great fastball hitting team. And he was just throwing fastballs. Oh my, fastballs and they were just 97, 96 easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the magical one is funny. Like Aaron Bummer doesn't give up a home run in X amount of plate appearances. And then Carlos Santana hits a hilarious slider um, to right center field, opposite field. Off the plate. Um, off the plate. Like he was bending down to get it. Um, a hilarious home run. And then, of course, Nick Magical revenge game is his second home run. And then the Morel one, like that stuff happens. But you talk about like pitch selection. Like there was a real reason for that. Like the quote from uh, 
Gregory in, in your story on all CHGO um, was great. Um, the things didn't go my way and they got the win. I was ahead in the count and threw a good pitch. He didn't swing at it. It's like, well, let's just attack him, attack him again. It was a sinker and he hit it. Um, asked what he learned from the moment. He said that I have to throw my slider. That's my best pitch. I have men on base and I was trying to be fancy. And that's what happened. I kind of like double taked when I, I saw that quote. I know you were like, oh, well, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like, you see a guy who throws 100, and you just see the way that sinker, like, dives, especially in that first pitch that he got Morel to swing on. You're like, I'm not upset that he throws a sinker in well, that moment. Right, and that's what, and that's what, I, that's what Pedro was talking about after the game because we, we talked to Santos first, and he said, ah, I wish I would have thrown a slider kind of thing. But Pedro's like, yeah, but that other pitch is pretty good too. Right. Like, you, you just you, – not only did you see it earlier in that, at bat, but, like, he's been watching it all year, and he's like – He's got two pitches that are really, really, really good. You'd be confident in him throwing any of that. And it's not to say that, you know, you should just be lazily, you know, piping balls or anything like that. But the idea being that that's a pitch that he's used to get people out too. And he can do, he can throw both of them effectively. Well, it's very just classic baseball power versus power. And it's like, this guy's got two pitches. You have to guess right. And hopefully you're guessing right on a hundred mile per hour sinker. Like those are tough to hit out regardless. Like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're always saying like, you know, if you, if regular Joe Shimo got 650 plate appearances, he's not getting a hit. Not um, anyone, especially zero. not against Gre Gregory Santos. Uh, but Steven, if you want to fl flash the, uh, the Groot graphic, um, I kind of double taked at the sinker because, again, like I, I thought it was a good pitch. It's just maybe the location, but yes. uh, just doing uh, research on what pitch modeling uh, thinks of Groot's two pitches. Um, he's right that his slider is a better pitch. Um, on the left of the MLB average is the Stuff Plus uh, average uh, ranking for Major League uh, relief pitchers for their sinker, and on the left is the PitchBot one. Um, so the MLB average for a sinker grades out around 97, again, MLB average is 100. Oh, boy. All I'm thinking about when I see PitchBot is, is Mr. Clanky from uh, Backyard Baseball. <laughs> I am PitchBot. And Abner Doubleday. <laughs> I am going to throw a pitch because I am PitchBot. <laughs> we should have Sunny Day on the podcast. We should. And, and Vinny the Gooch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, MLB average for Sicker is 97 for Stuff Plus. Groot's uh, ranks is uh, 98. Uh, average for that is like very similar to uh, MLB, uh, like, Weighted runs created plus and ERA plus. 100 is technically average, but sinkers are kind of a quote-unquote worse pitch. Uh, pitch bot is more on the 20 to 80 <laughs> grade scale. I uh, am pitch bot. So, uh, Your pitch is a little above average. <laughs> pitch bot activated. <laughs> That's why Groots, uh, uh, the MLB average for a sinker is 50. Uh, Groots ranks at about a 55. Uh, then for a slider, MLB average on stuff plus is 115. His grades is at 162, mm. um, and then the MLB average for a slider on PitchBot, 52, Groot Santos, a 72. So, so that slider's real good. That slider's real good. And you see the first slider that he throws, yes. uh, just a diving sinker out of the zone. Morel swings over it and, you know, strike one. That second pitch is a slider from absolute hell, uh, 92, just whipping across the zone and, like, barely on the outside corner. Um, the, and you saw how he swung at that. Right. And – why wouldn't you though? Like that's yeah. a perfect pitch. Um, and then the third one is, you know, he, he, he thought it was a good pitch. It was definitely more left-handed batter's box than mm -hmm. like that tight pitch. Um, so I wouldn't have mind like burying another slider there, Yeah. but also, I mean, he saw two sliders. I don't hate throwing the sinker, but you bring up Yaz go calling for the sinker. He didn't flash a, 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 a sign for, like he didn't flash a, a uh, his glove for him. Um, I think it's just more, all right, Groot, throw it as hard as you can and try to bury it. Um, but again, he didn't bury it. And that's, that's the big thing. It's just like you make a mistake, 
guys are going to be able to hit 100 if they're geared up for it. So, I mean, I, I think you just got to tip your hat to Morrell because that's the first home run that Groot Santos has given up as a closer. The first homer he's given up since May 22nd. Yeah. So, I, I think that, yes, you could have gone with the slider in that situation. I'm also not scoffing at 100. Yeah. <laughs> just bury it. I just think <laughs> you look at his swings. Like, that's part of Liazmani's job, seeing how he swung at that first pitch, which is a sinker at 100. Cool, he's on it, but, you know, he can hit a fastball. And his history, especially recent history this year, he knows he can hit a fastball. You know he's looking for that. In the game a couple of weeks ago where the Cubs just needed a single, a B-hack. Dude's doing A-hacks the whole time. 0-2, A-hacks, A-hacks. I think it was versus the Mets. So you got to know that he's going for the downs. In that situation specifically, in any other situation, Morrell's trying to hit a home run. So, which of these two pitches, that's what I got to think if I'm both Groot Santos and Yasmani Grandal. Which of these two pitches can he take out? Can he hit a 92-mile-per-hour slider if I hang it? Yeah, probably. But can he hit my 99-mile-per-hour sinker that's middle-middle, bisecting the plate? Yeah, but... Like, you got to think of those things and how his second swing looked, how much in front of that ball he was, even though it's 92 you got to say, okay, he was gearing up for fastball. He missed my slider by a foot. Also, you know what? Don't walk the guy ahead of him. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's not like he picked one. He, he did everything perfect but the one wrong pitch. I mean, he gave up a leadoff double. He walked the, the next guy, which is even, you know, far more egregious than giving up the double or the home run. Mm-hmm. Don't. Don't put the tying run on base, and 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 they're still playing after Morrell hits that homer. Yeah, you know? it's so. very like I just like slider in that situation. He doesn't swing at it. Cool, or if he throws a sinker and it's high or low, fine. But middle of the plate, nah. Well, I mean that's the thing is I think you just got to throw that low. I mean that's the thing is it's on Santos for not burying it. You're right, Vinny. That you know you got to walk him or you, you can't walk him. Uh, the guy in front of him who was that Swanson, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't walk walk Swanson, but. You look at the actual pitch itself, Gregory Santos' uh, uh, sinker uh, obviously grades out extremely well velocity-wise at 99 miles per hour, uh, but the vertical movement is 13% better, better than the major league average. His horizontal is like 20% worse than the major league average. So again, it's like that pitch is going to stay flat if it's up in the zone, and that's what hitters are told. If it's up, let it fly. If it's down, I don't I'd let it go. I don't know what the hell the, the actual – I know if it's up, let it fly. Yeah. Um, but if he buries that Let down inside, like he did the O one pitch, nighty night, that game's over because Morell's still swinging over it. It's all oh, yes. about that swing plane, and that swing plane's just in the middle of the plate. So if he throws that under that bat, that's strike three. I yeah. mean, I, I have no confidence lost in Groot Santos, and I feel very similar to the way when Liam Hendricks would make a, a similar mistake and uh, an elevated fastball would be taken out. You just got to tip your cap. When Daz Cameron takes you out for his first career home run, oh well. I mean, hey. You threw a pitch right in the middle of the plate, and he hit it. Sometimes guys swing and miss at that because you're throwing 100. I mean, I don't know. I I, I think that um, Groot, it wasn't a great outing, but I, I don't think I've lost any confidence in him. So I got to call him Gregory after that loss. <laughs> He's got to regain his Groot Santosness. Um, the this crosstown classic uh, coverage is presented by Hooters. Hooters is your spot to catch all the games this season. Step up to our plate for world famous wings, delicious seafood, stack sandwiches, salads, great drinks, specials, and more. At Hooters, it's always easy to pick a winner. They have eleven Chicagoland locations. Visit Hooters OriginalHooters.com for more information. Um, and we were just down in Wrigleyville. It smelled like Sunnyside. 
It did. The entire time. I don't know if someone was just continually smoking uh, marijuana uh, at Wrigley Field, um, but also even outside of it, um, just because it's down the block, it, it smelled like uh, that Mary Jane. Yeah. Putting it in the air. <laughs> it's me- like uh, when Garrett Popcorn pumps out the scent onto uh, under right. the street. Or the, the chocolate place, uh, yeah. the Blommer Chocolate yeah. Factory. <laughs> Uh, maybe it was also just don't park there, by the way. <laughs> well, the Blommer chocolate. Oh factory? yeah, you'll get your catalytic converter stolen. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. From, I'm about to say from the experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna take a break. Just uh, there, huh? The people from Blommer just stealing your catalytic. Yeah, I don't think it was chocolate factory that's employees. We, I mean, that's I how we make possible. our chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's possible, but it's that's not, how they fund chocolate production. Yeah, that's yeah. the milk part. It's actually a catalytic converter. Uh, it's not. Can, milk. It's like a coconut. You crack it open and real good. <laughs> um, but uh, we're bringing up Sunnyside and uh, Wrigley because uh, Vinny talked to Liam Hendricks uh, at Wrigley Field. We're going to bring that audio to you. Um, there were some quotes in the actual piece as well, but we're going to bring the audio to you because we have the, the platform to do it. Uh, so you're going to hear from Liam on Groot Santos, then we'll talk a little bit about the uh, bullpen and the rotation for 2024. But we're going to let you know about our friends over at Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. It's your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kind of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer if you're trying to celebrate a Luis Robert home run or if you're trying to uh, be in the sorrows of your uh, Christopher Morrell grieving. Um, Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer. It's a one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs. No matter where you are on your cannabis journey, they have easy online ordering and in-store pickup and great transparent loyalty program Sunnyside Rewards, so you can get rewarded for buying your cannabis. And Illinois, uh, it's Illinois' favorite dispensary. Our favorite is obviously at Wrigley, where they're pumping out the smell onto the uh, <laughs> lovely Clark Street, uh, right? Yeah, that's Clark. Yeah, um, Clark. Sunnyside House of Brands also includes Mindy, Good News, Cresco, High Supply, Floracal, Wonder, and Remedy, so you can explore all of the great options uh, that cannabis can offer you. And through August, right now, head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at 20, uh, for 25% off uh, your total order, one use per customer, and it's not stackable with other promotions. That's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our code. And since it's through August, act fast. Sunnyside.shop now. Use code CHGO25 at, 20, at checkout for 25% off your total order. Pick up everything you need to elevate your summer. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois med card holder. Also want to let you know about our friends over at Hooters. Again, they are presenting this Crosstown coverage. Hooters is your spot to catch all the games this season. Step up to our plate for world-famous wings, delicious seafood, stack sandwiches, salads, and more. They have tons of great beer specials and $6 drinks all day, every day. Check out their seafood specials, 1983 for a pound of crab legs and great prices on Buffalo Steamship. Hooters is celebrating 40 years in business all year long, and in honor of their 40 years in business, they are throwing it back on the 4th of every month. Hooters will be throwing throwback events, bringing back the 80s with 83 cent wings and other great specials. The next one is on September 4th. Check out originalhooters.com for more info and to check out their uh, locations of their 11 Chicago lane locations. Uh, let's go to our friend Liam Hendricks. Uh, Vinny Duber chatted with Liam on the field pregame about Gregory Santos, and there's great insight to how Groot has been able to unlock, unlock the power uh, that he has been uh, displaying in 2023. Before I even got here, I was in constant contact with Hass and Katz, and it was a little bit more along the lines of me just trying to get him angry. Because I think we, there, was a, there was a game at the start of the year where he started the inning off with a fastball at like 93, 94, and then got a couple guys on, got mad, and sat 100. I'm like, no, it's that means it's in there. Like, it doesn't have to be. And so I was like, we worked to 
a little bit on that about trying to get him to be angry from the get-go because there's certain times where you may not have an opportunity to last two batters and then get angry. It may be a thing where you need to get straight from the gate. And when he, uh, when all the trades happen and everything like that, um, I can't remember. I can't remember who came up to me, but they're like, "Oh yeah, would you mind talking to?" Him? I think it was Hass came up to me. And I was like, "Look, I'm fine talking to him, but I want the clarification." And so I went and spoke to Pedro. I went and spoke to Katz. I'm like, "Hey, look, if this is the plan." I can talk to him, but I want to make sure that I'm not telling him to be ready for the 8th or the ninth, and then all of a sudden he's warming up in the 7th. Like, that's not... We need to have a little bit of guidelines here with it all because at the end of the day, this is a young kid who's finally... Like, he's really getting an opportunity in the big leagues for the... Honestly, the first time, like a long extended look. So this is a thing where you need to make sure that if you're going to put him into a role, you need to stick to that role. And unless he starts struggling and all that sort of stuff, that's a whole different ball game. But all I said to him was like, look... Whatever you need to do, you need to be ready to go at the drop of a hat, and there's there's sometimes not going to be time. So as soon as the eighth inning, like I did all my pre-workout stuff at the seventh inning, so I would do my uh, my visualization and mental stuff all in the seventh inning. I do anything I need to do before the eighth inning started because once the eighth inning started, if a couple guys get on, that phone's ringing and you got to get going, and usually you only have a couple batters to get ready. So that was my big one big thing to him was look. Do whatever you need to do, but there's as once the phone rings, then there's not that you can't start your band work, you can't start anything like that. Then you need to preemptively do it every day around the the start of the eighth inning or the middle of the seventh or whatever you need to do. But once that eighth inning starts, you need to be available and ready to get going from the drop of a hat. And uh, he's really embraced it. I mean, he's got the stuff to be out there. He's got the mentality, which is the big thing to be out there. And I was talking to um, uh, Kurt Hassler about it today. I mean. This is the prime time to get a guy setting up into this role is you come in, there's not as much kind of stress innings at the start of the year, and you build up. You build through the leverage. You work towards it. It's uh, you, you go into the mindset that you earned this. Like, you earned it. You weren't just gifted the role because of an injury or anything like that. You earned this role by the way you were pitching this year. And that's something that he's really taken. And, uh, yeah, we, we constantly talk and... I mean, he's opened up his shell a little bit more as the season's gone on, which has been great. Uh, but, yeah, like, we, I always want to make sure that the guy, like, it's just a, it's a readiness thing. I mean, there's nothing I can teach him about pitching. He throws a completely different kind of arsenal towards me. He's, uh, he can throw a slider for strikes where I just didn't. So <laughs> we have a completely different arsenal. But any sort of thing that I can be there for the guidance, that was one of the remaining reasons I wanted to stick around. And I asked uh, Pedro and Katz and Hass and Jerry, like, hey, look, I know it's not normal for a guy who's, had Tommy John, I had a major injury to be sticking around, but if there's a chance, I feel like I can have some value in this team, especially with the young bullpen we've got, and, and Gregory's a big part of that, and so I'm just excited that he's uh, he's taking it over with, and uh, I mean, let's let's hope with as we move forward, it's more the one innings, and he can get into a little bit more of that role, but I mean, necessity comes, especially in a series like this, where you, you got to go and get five outs, you got to go and get five outs, it's uh, been there, done that, and uh, it's, uh, it's something that can really bold take him into the next stratosphere. I mean, he's got the stuff to be able to do it, and he's got the mentality to be able to do it. Then that, that's come from just the pure confidence he has in his stuff, especially now that he's throwing strikes and taking his A-game stuff as soon as the, as soon as the bell rings. Great stuff there from Liam and great stuff from uh, Vinny to uh, acquire that audio. Um, what did you take away from that kind of uh, talk from Liam about uh, Gregory Santos uh, channeling his anger? Well, it's what, it's what Liam does, right? Yeah. He, he makes it up. 
it's it's fabricated. It's not real. Liam's mm-hmm. a very nice guy, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it it he has figured out a way to rile himself up when he's on the mound, and he looks like someone you would not want to come within forty feet of because you might get hurt, right? So it it, it has worked for him and has helped turn him in to. Uh, at a time, recent time, the best closer in baseball. Um, and now you're seeing him try to pass those lessons on to other people. Now, listen, doesn't all, that doesn't always work. Now, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. I remember even when Kendall Graveman's first year here, I believe that was last season, uh, him and Liam were both talking about how it was so nice for Kendall to be there because there were certain guys in the bullpen, young guys who responded to the way Kendall did things, and there were certain guys in the bullpen who responded to the way Liam did things. So we'll see if Gregory can can do that sort of thing and if he responds to what Liam has been saying. But um, that's the advice that, that he's giving to a guy who is going to have this job, you know, the White Sox would hope everything goes right, for not only the next six and a half weeks, but really for perhaps the entirety of next season because Hendricks, we don't know what his situation is going to be with what uh, 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 the Tommy John recovery and what the contract is going to look like after this year. And I think the one thing, if Groot doesn't, you know, jibe with the getting angry type of thing, I hope he takes the thing that Liam does. I think the best is forget about past performance. Forget about... And you have to do that. Every closer has to do that. Exactly. And say, I don't care. I'm still the best. And have that mentality that you are the best on the mound and that no one can hit you. I'm invincible. No one can mess with me. And Groot Santos needs to get into that type of mind frame when he goes to the bump. And maybe he was trying to do that last night and got his, uh, uh, you know, it's like I'm trying to be too cute, to be too fancy. I'm going to throw 99 past him. And, you know, he got caught up. Now he can say, okay, maybe he caught me that day, but I meet Chris Morrell again. I'm not scared to throw that 99 again, and but place it in a better spot. Right. No, I, li- I like the response of just say, hmm. Through the wrong pitch. Like, that seems like something that you live, you learn, and, you know, next time I'm out in the, you know, saving a game for the team that's 24 games under 500, I'll, I'll make sure I throw that slider and not that sinker. And, that, <laughs> and that's definitely what uh, Liam, every time he gets a save, he's hyped. He, like, he really relishes to win the game and do his job. And I feel like more players need to be like that, like, because the times when you get hit, you're just walking off the, the mound sad as hell. You gotta celebrate your dubs, and I hope Gru Santos that. gets that. You saw that from him on on Tuesday. Yeah, he was jacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the atmosphere is good, and you when you do your job as a closer, you gotta get hyped up about it. And I think that's fair to bring up too. I mean, you mentioned Tuesday; he was used for five outs on Tuesday, he and was. he's he's coming back in, and he's throwing like that beautiful night, like that that slider that oh we're talking God, about that he should have thrown. Unhittable. Like, I don't want to say like this is not like like this is a setback for Groot Santos or anything like. It really just comes down to you got to throw that sinker lower or you got to just throw the slider because he truly does seem to have blossomed. Like when we he was that rule five pick, we we talked about it a little bit because the White Sox made a selection. Usually they're not making selections. We thought there was an interesting connection with cats. Um, But now it seems like I mean, even Liam Hendricks, it seems like a lot of people in that White Sox clubhouse are like, oh, no, this guy's like legit. This guy is the real deal. Like, I mean, they found. A guy. Well, I don't think that I don't think that there's any better example than Liam Hendricks to that whole it takes a certain kind of person to pitch in the ninth inning, right? And I think you see that to a nearly cartoonish extreme when he's on the mound, right? He's the way he's acting and the way he's fist pumping and swearing and all of that. Like it's like, oh, that's it. That's the that's the hit you over the head example of the kind of mentality you need to have to get outs. 
25, 26, and 27. So when that guy is telling you that he sees in Gregory Santos the correct mindset that you need to have to succeed in that role, you listen. Well, and, too, talking about mindsets, I do love um, Albert Ozilai's mindset. Um, when he's coming in and closing games, that dude's always tweeting, like, the second he gets into the clubhouse, like, Cubs win. Like, he, mm-hmm. he, he gets super pumped and jacked after every single save, and obviously they mean more now that the Cubs are, are winning more meaningful games. But even the the enjoyment that Morell took, like, I'm not going to – I mean, we obviously – you know, I we want got it. Tim Anderson and, you know, the, the stick talk bobblehead back there. Like, the last thing that I'm going to be upset about is someone showing emotion. But even we see that with Luis Robert. Robert did the same like, thing the night this, before. This, yeah. it, this was a great series. Oh. Um, it, it's obviously That's why we need more. Frustrating to see them lose. But, no, I mean, that was great We need them to be baseball. in the same division so they can play, like, 12 times a year. Like, who wouldn't love more of this? Four games just seem so, like – Ugh, I need more. It's like you're getting you the appetizer, you're not getting the entree. Yeah, well, at least it, it used to be six, right? I mean, yeah. it depends on the year if it's four or six with the Cubs and Sox. But, yeah, well, give I me more. I think moving forward, though, it'll probably be only four, right? <sighs> because now they play everybody. Yeah. With the years where they played the NL, or the years when they, I don't know what they were played doing. The NL but, Central, yeah, they yeah. were, it was, it was, it was changing there for a while. And I think uh, now it probably would just be a consistent four. But, yeah, I mean, listen. We know that the fans like this. If that's the whole reason you're doing this rearranged schedule thing is to, you know, increase fan enjoyment, increase fan enjoyment. I want a great lakes region. I know this is completely off topic. I got you. But Minnesota, Milwaukee, Chicago, Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati. I'll count Cincinnati. Um, and then Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, what about right. Pittsburgh? St. Louis and Missouri guess, and uh, oh, Kansas City. All right, there's too many. All right, the Great mm-hmm. Lakes are too big. Never mind. Um, well, also, but Cincinnati can – Go down. They can go south. They, you know, they're more Ohio River than uh, yeah, than, right. than the Great Lakes. But I was thinking, you know, if we're going to do Chicago, Chicago, Cincy, Cleveland. Sure. But, sure. I mean, even Toronto. Again, Toronto's I, on I, the other side. I think I, I, they're in the same it. city. People are running into their Cub fan or Sox fan friends all the time, so I understand why the Crosstown thing is what it is. But be careful. If you get what you wish for, you don't want it to just turn into, oh, it's another Tuesday night and the White Sox are playing the Guardians for the 15th time. You know what I mean? True. Like, you don't want to uh, run the Yankees, risk of though. that. Yeah, but they're – yeah, right. They I mean, were good for a while. That's true. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean and, and that's the thing is right. I think if this was, what, 20 when, – when did both of these teams suck? Like 2012? Well, are they both good or are they both suck? The Sox. When were they both? Well, the Sox yeah. almost won the division in 2012. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I just so like 20. I know the, the Cubs 14. were bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, did anyone care about Crosstown in 2014? I mean, I'm sure those were things to look forward to for both of the clubs. When they're bad, this series brings out the best of the teams. As Vinny said, the Sox probably played, in my liking, their best game on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Pick the ball up. Great play by Zach Remillard, both uh, going to his left, of, uh, deep in the hole, catching that ball on the fly, and then catching that Giazmani Grandal, perfect throw to second base to get Dinko Horner. And clutch hitting that happened in the uh, eighth inning by Luis Robert. Great game. Awesome, complete game. And then yesterday, Clevenger throws a seven-inning strutout, and the bullpen gives it up. But otherwise, they only scored four runs versus the White Sox. White Sox only scored three, so they lose. But... I thought both well-played games by the White Sox and Cubs, and the atmosphere was electric yesterday, especially in that eighth and ninth inning. And I hate Nick Magical for hitting that home run because I immediately – because I booed when he got up there. And then when he hit the home run, people were like, 
with yeah, you. It's your fault, man. It's like your man's is cr- crushing home runs, low with sliders, and <laughs> crushing home runs with the basket. Here's my uh, advice scrapers. to you: leave the park. Uh, yeah. walk, walk out. You don't have to. You don't have to hear it from the Cubs fans. Um, At that time, I was confident as hell. I was like three one. We're good. I think Cruz I said, coming to the game. I think I said to Marcos, he's in the chat. And shout out to everybody hanging out in the chat. Uh, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Uh, we would appreciate it. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh, I, I think he he brought up Madrigal, and I was like, I thought I think he's on the injured list. Like, there's no way he can hurt me today. Didn't know he was on the bench. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There you go. Um, let's quickly talk about the starting pitcher from yesterday's game. Uh, Clevenger went seven innings, three hits, no earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. We've been having the talk about the 2024 rotation. We've mentioned Jesse Schultens. We've mentioned Tuki Toussaint, who pitched on Tuesday. Um, Clevenger, there's a mutual option for 2024. Who says no? Well, like, like, do the Sox say no to the option? Does Clevenger say no to the option? What what do you see playing out with Clevenger, and do you think that he could be a part of 2024? Well, I think the next few weeks are very important uh, in terms of that decision-making process, but I'll just say this from the clubhouse, from what Mike Clevenger is telling us after starts, really, within the last couple weeks, he finally feels healthy. Um, and, I mean, again, that's the story of half the people on the White Sox roster is that their season was derailed by injuries, but um, a guy who is – finally feeling like himself is finally pitching the way that the White Sox hoped that he would, right? And you've seen back-to-back just really, really good games from him. 13 innings, one run over the last two starts. uh, Last night, excuse me, last night was his first seven-inning game this season Mm -hmm. for the White Sox. First time he's completed seven innings in a White Sox uniform. So um, it's only two starts. If he goes out there next time and gets lit up, then the conversation changes again. But I think over the course of the next few weeks, you're going to see a determining factor in what the White Sox want to do on their end of that. I think if you get the guy that you've gotten the last two starts, if you're confident that he can come back in 2024, you got to pick up that option because that's looking like a bargain at $12 million, a relative bargain, as I always like to point out when I'm talking about the immense amount of money that baseball players get paid. But um, – when it comes to what Mike Clevenger might want to do, if he tears it up here over the next uh, uh, month and a half of baseball this season, don't you think there's going to be a team coming knocking, ask, get willing to give him more than $12 million uh, just to pitch next season and, and perhaps in a multi-year fashion? So uh, Mike Clevenger probably staying mediocre was probably the – the, the thing that you might want to have might have wanted to hope for in terms of them being able to come together and say, oh, let's give this another go. Him going dramatically in one direction or the other probably causes one party or the other to say, no, thank you. And Fred says my thoughts on him as a person. I don't want him on the team next year, but we're not discussing that. We're discussing who's going to be saying no. I think Mike Clevenger will say no. But he's in a precarious situation where he's known for things off the field. The pitching's been pretty decent this year. I got to admit, he's been awesome the last two starts and better than I even expected. So I think he opts out thinking he can get more than $12 million in the open market, which he should because he looks like the Mike Clevenger that left the Cleveland Guardians in like 2018 or 19. Um, he's back to good form. But – the White Sox are bent over a barrel here. They have to have major league starters. And if you see that last night and you see the start that happened before that, all the starts after he's come back from the injury list, 
you would say, okay, that works for us as our number two starter next year. Have Michael Kopech as our three, and all we got to do is pay him $12 million. Bet, bet money. We're in. Um, and, so, it's just, and, and that's the thing, too, is really just when you talk about the White Sox decision-making process here, God, they need so much pitching. Oh, my God. And so if you can go into the offseason needing to fill two spots in that rotation versus three, you, that's a big deal. Exactly. And yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking that he – I hope that he opts out and that the White Sox pay him far, fair market if they want him to come back as the White Sox. But I don't see both of them saying, yeah, $12 million next year, we're good. Especially Mike Clevenger, especially how well he's been pitching. If he gets to, I mean, he's still not over 100 innings for the year, so that's another part of my hesitation. He's been hurt a lot this year. But when he's pitched for the White Sox, he's been pretty steady and pretty good for them. Yeah, uh, looking at run value for his pitches, four-seamers at a six, sliders at a four, change-ups at a four. Last time he's had... Three pitches with a run value higher than four was 2018. Four seamers at a four. Slider was at a 14. Curveball was at a four. Um, I, I still don't know if I'm buying it because while that fastball run value has been good, it's still been hit hard when it is hit, um, near 40% hard hit rate. Uh, slugging's near 460. I I don't know. I, I don't know if we've seen enough of him. He hasn't pitched 100 innings yet, no, right? Not. Oh, no. So, he, he missed a long time. Yeah. I mean, he missed a big Months. portion of this season. And uh, you're absolutely right that we haven't seen this the entire time that he's pitched this year. I think leading up to the last couple of weeks, I'd probably describe him as fairly mediocre, right? But he's looking really good the last two starts. If that is the start of a trend, it's one thing. But that's why I'm saying you got to keep watching over the next six weeks here because it can go – in one of several ways. Yeah, and to go to a little bit about what you're saying, Herb, and what the chat's talking about, um, like, I do wonder when they signed him, obviously we weren't talking about the the off-the-field stuff, and then that stuff came out in December, right? So he signed in November, came out in December. I do wonder if that plays into the option as well, Um, but even then I feel like Rick has been, and, and Pedro, has been fairly complimentary of Clevenger in the clubhouse. Um, and I think Rick said last time at the deadline, talking about, you know, we want people who are uh, good people, I think, in the clubhouse, right? Like they're looking for, uh, I, I forget well, it's the been exact a, it's, phrasing. It's, it's been a uh, priority of theirs, stated priority of theirs for years now that they, they, they very much value the character and, the, and the, the way that guys are off the field, uh, off the stat sheet, I should say, right? Um, Certainly, there's been a greater microscope over that for the last few weeks uh, as the whole behind-the-clubhouse-door stuff has really been you know, picked apart from mm-hmm. because of what Keenan Middleton said. But um, you're right. I, I think that, they're, I think that I, what I go back to is the, the idea of the communication between the parties on that front when those contract negotiations were going on during the offseason, right? Because the White Sox showed up to spring training, and it was – we had no idea of this. Right. We had never heard of this, not until after it was all done. And so certainly Rick was acknowledging some of the previously known off-the-field stuff that were, you know, of, of far less um, – Yeah. I'm not even sure what word to use, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the that immaturities. The in- investigations. Right. The immature stuff that he was talking about. So they went ahead and they made – that deal, knowing about those things, you know, that there were things, he called it a calculated risk, remember, um, you know, they, they did know about other things that had to do with that character type front, 
but obviously that has changed since when they signed the contract to even now, regardless of what their needs might be and, and what they feel about have, after having him on the team for a year. All that stuff kind of goes into it um, when they make a, a decision moving forward, but it might not even be a decision that results in him coming back, as you explained, Herb. Yeah, and I think that the only way that Mike Clevenger doesn't opt out of the contract is that he sees that his off-the-field stuff allegations and somebody brought it up it's like they're just allegations and yes major league baseball just assigned him to like anger management and counseling to get in the um his uh, baby's mother i don't want to call him baby mom it sounds so weird his his the the, the, the mother, mother of his, his child. child didn't want him to go to jail didn't want him to get into trouble just wanted him to get the counseling that he, uh, apparently he's supposed to be getting this year and so he might see that and say you know what that whole off-the-field stuff might scare away other teams that would have been signing me for $15 million a year. So I'll take my 12 here, reestablish my market again, and then go on the free agent market the year after type of thing. But um, that would be the only way I would see Mike Clevenger not opting out because if he's pitching like this all the way through, somebody's going to be looking to him and say, oh, Mike Clevenger's back. Well, yeah, I mean, there's two big things, as we learned in baseball. There's Nick Madrigal, we learned uh, from him, revenge game. It's a very big storyline. If you're going up against your former team, it is written in stone that you either hit a home run or have some big moment on the mound, and there is contract year. So this is technically a contract year. If he is feeling his healthiest and he's having this type of results, uh, what, like 18 innings, and I think his last 18 innings, guys have like a batting average of like 200 against him. Um, and right now... You look at the last three starts, if it is him feeling his healthiest, um, his fastball is above average, uh, according to Stuff Plus. Uh, that's at 100 for starters. It's at 93. Um, and his slider's a little bit below average still. Average uh, Stuff Plus for a slider for a starter is 111. His is at 106. Uh, but, I, I mean, I, I, I could see if the White Sox could talk themselves into agreeing into that mutual option, I could see another club talking themselves into it as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know if Clevenger is going to be a Sox in, in 2024. I think it all depends on how he finishes the season. But if it's like these last three starts, I, I could see him opting out and, and taking the bet on himself in, in a 33-year-old uh, free agent season. Because, again, with a pitcher, you never know when that arm might go, when you, know, you might have another injury. Because, again, he's talking about the healthiest he's been. He's dealt with groin arm everything if he could again secure more money um that's usually what players look to do so um we'll see if clevenger opts in um it still might be the jesse schultons and tukey Toussaint uh show next year in the rotation because clevenger might play his way out of the contract um let's take another break and then we'll talk a little bit about what fred just brought up uh did you see someone at espn went crazy and said montgomery was the number two prospect in mlb we'll talk about that crazy person after the break uh <laughs> want to let you know about our friends over at shady race take on the sun with gear built to last our friends at shady race have you covered with warm weather ahead with premium Polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and they look real good. Yeah, they do. They look smooth. You look smooth. You do, too. Mercy. Um, that's not all. 
Shady Rays offers the most safe protection looking program. looking like uh, Jake and Elwood over here. <laughs> you want to go to Cal Fisheries and drive <laughs> over a bridge? Um, if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. If you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange it for a new pair or turn them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Um, Before we go to the next read, I'm going to make Vinny mad at me again. Um, Careful. The last time you did this, I wasn't in studio. I I couldn't react. Oh, this is is bad, Vinny. You're going to tell me you don't like the Blues Brothers? It's not that I don't like the Blues Brothers. It's that you've never seen it. There wow. It yeah. <laughs> there wow. It I remember, after, like, working in sports radio, everybody and their mama loves the Blues Brothers. I mean, and, it's a phenomenal and, movie. And Caddyshack, which I haven't seen either. Yeah, I've never seen Caddyshack. Um, also but, very good. So I have to cut up all these things, all these uh, quotes. little yeah, quotes right. and all these things from people. Like, I don't know where these thing's are at. See, here's like, the thing. I've though. watched the Aretha Franklin part of that. I've watched the James Brown uh, revival sure. thing because yeah. we used that for Justin Fields. But and then, you know, the Illinois Nazi thing, too. I've seen those parts. But I don't, the full movie, I don't know if it, uh, it's... It's very good. It's very funny, and yeah. I think you would like it. Yeah? Because okay. it's, because it's, it's funny. There's, like, jokes throughout the whole thing. Okay. It's not just, like, an excuse to get from one song to the next. I mean, I didn't... Sometimes the <laughs> plot is, but it's still funny. <laughs> I mean, I didn't watch Blazing Saddles for a long time, and once I watched it, I was like, all right, I get it. You it's really that. great. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Blues Brothers, Blues I don't Brothers know. Blues Brothers is up there, yeah. In that, in that same... Yeah. Yes. What about Caddyshack? Caddyshack is, but it's not as good as Blues Brothers, okay. in my opinion. All right. But it's still very good. But people told me about Hoosiers being great, and I did not like Hoosiers. But Hoosiers at all. isn't funny. No, Hoosiers is not funny. Right? So you either, nor are there any good songs in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like 1940s basketball, which historically is like the worst basketball to watch. Yeah. Chess passes all the time. Yeah. We're gonna pass it left, then right, then left, then right, then left, and then you're gonna come behind me, and then we're gonna pass it to you, and then you're gonna pass it back to me, and then we're gonna go left, then right, Final then left, score, then left. Final score: 13 to 12. <laughs> and the what Bears. A, what win. a great job by Mylan. <laughs> <laughs> they took six shots total. Um, Let's let you know they had to about fish it. it out of the peach basket. <laughs> <laughs> they used a pole to pop it out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that really takes up a lot of time. Uh, we want to let you know about the DraftKings pick of the week. A bantamweight battle for the belts is going down during UFC 292. Aljamain Sterling and Sean O'Malley will fight for the title this Saturday. Will the current champ keep his crown, or is it the challenger's time to shine? Get your bets in on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $5 to get $150 in bonus bets instantly. The upcoming fight is a big one. Aljamain Sterling, the defending champion, uh, is taking on Sean O'Malley, who is uh, you know one of those personalities, one of those guys that just has confidence oozing off of them. 15-1 uh, and one, uh, O'Malley is. Aljamain Sterling, 34, and he's been through a, a long road in his uh, MMA career, but he's 23-3. and three. I like the champ to retain his belt. I don't know about you guys. Seems like you guys don't watch UFC, but Aljamain Sterling, first, he's from New York, mm-hmm. so I like, I like that, that New York toughness. Um, but I also think that uh, you know O'Malley is more of a striker. Aljamain Sterling, more of a ground guy. I think Aljamain Sterling will be able to you know take him down and be able to kind of just... Win it by decision. So I'll give you Aljamain Sterling as the winner. But also, if you want to get crafty, Aljamain Sterling to win by decision, not a bad bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code CHGO. New customers can bet just $5 on UFC 292 to get $100 in bonus bets instantly. That's this Saturday, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Do I have to read the disclaimer? Yes. I do? 
Yes. But Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York, call 1-800-77-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. All games res- regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in Connecticut. Help is available for gambling problem. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible and gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility, eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms. There you oh, go. We didn't get that. Can we, can we do that again? <laughs> We're going to go to the prospect <laughs> world because... Again, Don't I get something after winning that auction? I don't I just, know what I, you I, bet I, on. I thought I'm coming out of an auction, and I, I think I probably won, right? I didn't hear anybody bid anything. There's no here. Wasn't there's that no, what you were doing that whole time? I don't think so. I don't know you, wow. and you won the ability to watch UFC 292 on Saturday. Mm. You don't have a pick, Sean O'Malley for me. Yeah, why? But of course, because who I didn't pick. Yes, <laughs> I'll take Thomas O'Malley, the Alley Cat from the Walt Disney animated feature, The Aristocats. I think you'll lose that bet. Um, let's go over to the prospect world uh, right now in Double A. Colson Montgomery has played nine games, and even though the batting average is at 179, uh, an on-base percentage of 465. Ooh, that's good. Uh, and a slugging percentage of 357. So the ISO is good. Uh, when he is hitting, he is hitting for power. Uh, and the big story, though, um, is where Kylie McDaniel of ESPN, as Fred called him, uh, the crazy person, ranked him on his midseason prospect rankings. Uh, so Kylie McDaniel had Colson Montgomery as the second best prospect in Major League Baseball. One look, of look at him up there. 14 prospects <laughs> with a 60 future value. You like that? He's sitting, he's just hanging out up there. I don't know who the photographer was from spring training, but uh, credit to them. They got they got a nice a nice shot of Colson just gleaming over the uh, the dugout. Over your graphic. Yeah. Yeah. Kilroy like, was just here. Hanging out. Um Colson Mon- shrunk him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's tiny. Uh honey, I shrunk Colson Montgomery. Uh Kyler McDaniel writes, though, about Montgomery. This is an aggressive ranking, but nobody I spoke with Montgomery has, uh, nobody I spoke with has Montgomery outside of their top 10. Most have him in their top five. Montgomery has a shot to be a plus hitter with plus power and play shortstop in the big leagues. So the idea is similar to Jackson Holiday, but you see the differences if you watch them. Montgomery is a bigger and stronger. Uh, Montgomery is bigger and stronger at six foot three, is one notch slower on the bases, and will probably settle at third base eventually. But he's in the Corey Seager range of size, speed, strength, and feel. He could thread the needle and be the best of both worlds. And if we look at the rankings of the prospect world, uh, again, second at ESPN by Kylie McDaniel. Aram Layton of Just Baseball has him ranked. 15th MLB Pop Pipeline, their team has him ranked at 17th. Keith Law of the Athletic has Colson Montgomery ranked 21st. Uh, Eric Longerhangen, Eric Longenhangen of Fangraphs has him ranked at 21st. Baseball America's team has him ranked at 30th. Joe Doyle has him ranked at 31st, and Prospect Live has him ranked at 33rd. So obviously, vast ratings here for Colson Montgomery going from all the way to 22nd to outside the 30th. Um, let's first go to Vinny. You've gotten word from not only Chris Getz, uh, Mike Shirley, but Rick Hahn. What is their view of Colson Montgomery? They think he's good. Okay. I'm sure they're dancing in the streets, uh, or maybe they don't care at all, that the idea that he's the number two prospect in baseball in some uh, evaluations. But listen, uh, this is a guy who I think everybody thought is 
as far back as last year, was going to be a cornerstone of the future. Now, we don't know exactly when that will be. Him being a double-A right now kind of, uh, you know, uh, brings up the idea that he might be able to arrive at some point next year. But, uh, you know, I think the big thing there was the position, right? Was he going to be able to stick at shortstop? Uh, he's a tall guy, and, and you don't know about that kind of thing. But if everybody's looking around saying, yeah, he can do it, that's why that value is so high because – you're a good if you're a good shortstop with a big old bat you're going to get uh, a whole lot of money uh, somewhere down the road this is good news for the White Sox obviously I think you look probably can look at even better news when you look at the system as a whole jumping up in these rankings a little bit and a lot of the guys who are responsible for that they just acquired earlier this month at the trade deadline so um it's that fact that there are now some of those guys to look at. Now, on one hand, the fact that we're looking at them at all speaks to the state of the Major League team and how disappointing that has been. Uh, so obviously that we're talking about prospects right now is something no one wanted to be doing. But if we're going to talk about prospects, it should be different than when we were talking about them as recently as last year, being one of the lowest-rated systems in baseball, really having no one to be excited about past a couple of names. There are a lot more names now, and I think you look especially at that double-A roster, and you're going to see a lot of guys who they're not all going to come up, they're not all going to come up and be all-stars, but to be able to have those guys that could be one day part of that rotation, I mean, we're looking right now, right, ahead to next year, and saying, who in God's name is going to fill the starting rotation for mm -hmm. them outside of a couple of guys that are already at the major league level you look to the year after that and the year after that and suddenly there's there's the potential to have many you know for that need to go completely away because you've got them coming up through the minor leagues so I think on the starting pitching front is where you really got to be excited but again if Montgomery is going to be one of those can't miss guys uh that's good but hey there's a bunch of can't-miss guys on the Major League roster right now uh, who have contributed to a team that is more than 20 games below 500. And if you look at those double-A numbers, you're not overly impressed by it because, as you said, the average is a little low, but he's getting on base. And the reason he's getting on base is because he walks. He has more walks now in double-A as a 21-year-old than strikeouts, which is impressive no matter where you're at. Like, these guys are what, five, ten year, no, five to six years older than he is as a 21-year-old? Uh, right now, the age difference is 2.7. 2.7, so three years older than the guy, and he's still having pitch recognition, knowing what they're throwing at him, and understanding where the strike zone is at. And so to have more uh, walks and strikeouts as this young of a player tells me he's at a disciplined bat, and that's what the White Sox need. They need a guy who's not necessarily hitting home runs all the time, but I think he's only got five in the short amount of time he's been in uh, baseball this year. But we know that's going to play. We know he's going to hit home runs when he gets up to the major leagues. As they say, he's a Corey Seager type. And if he's anywhere near Corey Seager, the White Sox got well, a gym there. Not to pat myself on the back, but I, I did bring up the Seager comp uh, a, a bit already, and it was mainly just because they were drafted in similar spots. It is the left-handed build. They're both tall, but we've seen Seager play shortstop his entire career. Um, it really just seems like he's likely going to be, I would think, on the, the, the White Sox in 2024 at some point. It might not be to start the season, but I, I would think May – June, July, he would force his hand um, to, to, to make that jump. But it's really about the position. But who, I mean, yeah, like, but who, say, who's, who's he kicking off? Well, right. Like, is it after TA's traded in the midseason? Like, if that happens and he plays shortstop, we know Moncada's obviously going to be on the team in 2024, so he's likely going to be third base. But, hey, 
You know, Yohan Mankata said, I'll do whatever the White Sox want me to do. And if Yohan Mankata is playing his last year in Chicago, what's the point of having him at third base if you think Colson Montgomery is going to be your future third baseman? So I, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Colson. But if he continues to play this way, if he continues to show that plate discipline, um, he's still showing power when he's making contact. It's mm-hmm. just about increasing that contact rate, uh, which I think will happen for him. Um, I, I don't really think there's a reason for him not to be on the – the, the team in 2024 at some point. Well, there's, I, th- I just the, think, I just the think there's a little way to go, ways to go still. You know what I mean? Like they, the idea is that you get promoted after you've mastered a level. And while certainly he seems to have, you know, thrived in certain areas, there are other certain areas that, and again, I'm just looking at the, I'm just hearing about the numbers. We don't know what they think of his, you know, plate discipline, pitch recognition, defense, all of that stuff that, that we can't easily see on the baseball reference page. Um, they would like they like their guys to master all of those elements before they move them up and give them a new challenge. So um, that's a you know a recent promotion. He hasn't played that many games. It's just right. maybe you finish out the string at Double A. Then if you're able, it, then if he's if he has mastered all those things by the end of this season, then it start at Triple A, or is it though? You know what I mean. So we're gonna we're gonna just have to see what he does the rest of the year exactly how they're talking about him when the season is over before we can kind of start projecting an arrival date I think I, I think he's when, when if we were talking about somebody who's in AAA already and they were struggling but they had time to figure it out then it's like oh AAA he's on the doorstep kind of thing but there's some time let him let him let him figure all this stuff out I don't really I don't really ever think that you can point to a prospect and say there's a rush they need him there now because well, if he's not do if he's not if he's not killing it at a certain level what is what is he going to do for you at the major league level? We we've seen you don't even need to, I don't even need to talk to you about Eloy and Moncada and 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 Kopech and some of these other guys who have yet to live up to the hype. All I got to do is to tell you Oscar Colas this year was dominating AAA. They brought him up. He's not hitting at all. So or he's only hitting a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. So there's there there they needed Oscar Colas this year and he showed him he was ready and it turns out he's still not able to get the job done at the major league level. That's fair. Um, I, do, I do think that if Colson was call, called up, though, I don't think it's because, you know, they're forcing anything. I think it's just because he's continuing to play the way that he is. Um, I, I think that you bring up the, the stuff about, you know, mastering all that stuff, and we don't know exactly how well he does against certain pitches. Obviously, Oscar Colas can hit a fastball, but we're not really sure how he can do against major league level uh, secondary pitches, and we're not sure how Colson will do as well um, with that stuff. But um, I mean, you can look at 2022; he had 420 uh, plate appearances. Right now, he's at 170. He probably won't even hit like 350 this year because of the injury, because of the delay. Um, so, I mean, it, it is a, an abbreviated season for him. So that could also cause delays in him coming up. But um, at least personally, if he continues to do this, and you see the growth from last year, 2022, 54 walks, 83 strikeouts, and that's spread out between single A, advanced A, and double A, and you see this year the same rankings, basically a little bit of time in rookie ball, um, some time in advanced A, and then obviously nine games so far in double A, but 41 walks, 30 strikeouts. Um, He has been able to seemingly master the strike zone or at least do a good job of uh, discerning which pitches to swing at and which pitches he can actually do damage against. So um, it will be very intriguing to watch the growth of Colson Montgomery till the end of the season because obviously he's not going to be up here in 2023 so um we, we can still watch his growth at double a and see how he uh continues to perform perform with the barons and the last thing i just want as i want it with oscar colas let him absolutely make the call on if he gets called up 
he's killing Triple A next year. He's hitting all these home runs. His plate discipline's all this. His glove is plus, and he's like, "Hey, there's nothing else I could do to this garbage league. I'm tearing it up. Call me up." If he doesn't have that next year, so be it. He's 22 next year. Let him go another year and as a 23-year-old. Like, there's no rush to get him up there, even though the team is not good. Let the kid, even though he's the number two prospect, tell you when he's ready by his absolute dominant play. And I want him to struggle a little bit. Like, he has with the bat a little bit this at a double-A, but he's actually walked a lot. So I see where he could bounce back from a struggle, how he attacks the pitchers after he does struggle. That's why I like 1,000 to 1,500 plate appearances in the minor leagues. Then you get a well-rounded uh, number amount, uh, number for you to see, hey, how do he do there? How do he do in this stretch? And it's a good amount of at-bats down there, and he's young enough to get that amount of bats. And I don't think the White Sox will be rushing him, especially with they, what they saw out of Colos this year. They'll be rushing him next year to get on the team unless he says – I'm just better than AAA. You need to call me up now. How old was he when he graduated high school? Montgomery? He was drafted in 2021. Like 19? Okay. Is he 21 right now? Yeah. Okay, I don't know how to do math. I All think right. I think he was one of those players, like, I think his birthday's early in the year, so it's like... Yeah, February. Yeah, so that's He'll be, when he probably was, you know, had to be 19 when he was a senior. Yeah, he will be uh, 22 in February 27, so uh, we'll we'll see with... Uh, Colson, but the one thing too that sticks out, at least this year, um, against older pitchers, this is a, a, a split on baseball reference. 306 average, 514 on base percentage, that works. 551 slugging percentage, mm. uh, an OPS of 1065. I understand what other Sean's saying, and you're saying don't rush him up. I'm obviously not saying rush him up, um, but also, and I get your plate appearances like benchmark thing as well, but the kick could play, the kick could play. I don't know. I, I, I also don't know if I want to see him in Charlotte. Because it, it just seems all? like just well, skip it, just, it? It, it. I mean, we all all, all we hear about Charlotte is just yeah that there's better pitching in Double A, that there's nastier stuff in Double A, um, and obviously Charlotte is kind of a tough way to get a, a bearing on somebody because it's such a bandbox. I mean, Tim Beckham went down there and like lit it up for the Knights. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that we'll see with Colson. There's a, there's a lot to write, but you mentioned. All the talent down in Birmingham. Nick Nostrini had a nice night. Six innings pitched. Edgar Carroll the night before. Two home runs and a walk-off homer. So uh, a lot to pay attention to in Birmingham. Uh, maybe we need to get a call up Kurt Flood and talk a little Baron soon. Maybe we need uh, to take a trip down to Birmingham. CHGO Birmingham. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not against it. No. Steven's shaking his head. You don't want to go to Alabama? Not particularly, no. Why? B-A-M-A. That's what, they would, that's <laughs> what, our, that's what our Alabama branch would have to be called. Uh, that's what Jordan played at, Steven. Yeah, roll Barons, right? Yeah. Why, why did he play there instead of single A? Because he's much better than single A. No, because they needed the, the space for the press. <laughs> that's what they said in the last night. He bought a new bus, too. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for it. We want to bring up TA real quick? Oh, let's bring up yeah. TA. You're fair. Tim uh, Anderson got his suspension knocked down to, to five games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw an apology out on Instagram, which I think we do have a, a thing there, so... I can't read it from here. I but can read it. You um, got it? Yeah, yeah I got it. Um, so TA said on Instagram, I want to apologize to the entire White Sox organization, my teammates, manager, and coaches, and to the fans for my part in the altercation which took place in Cleveland. This has been an incredibly disappointing season for me personally and our team. I will not get into the things that were said uh, to me by Cleveland players both Friday and Saturday, but those comments do not excuse my language or conduct, and I take full responsibility for my emotions getting the better of me. The Cleveland players are free to say whatever they want, 
but I will just say that no one has more respect for the game of baseball than me. I look forward to returning after serving my suspension and finishing the season playing the best baseball I can to help my team. Signed, so, Tim Anderson. He'll be he'll be out for this weekend series in Colorado. We'll talk more about this tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, he could be back by the third game, then, of that Seattle series next week at home. Make sure you hit that thumbs-up button. We will cover the pregame tomorrow as they go to DNVR. Uh, so, we'll have a pregame at 6.30. I think. Seven. It's a 7.40 start, I Correct. Want. It is. Yeah. 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 So, so, 7 p.m. pregame. 7 yeah. o'clock pregame. Then, we'll have a postgame for you Damn as weird-ass DNVR well. people. Uh, Damn time zones. Very odd. I mean, they have 40,000 people, and none of them watch the game, is, oh, is what I hear. It's the biggest ballpark. bar. Oh, it's an awesome bar. <laughs> uh, Pins and Aces, though, uh, we'll wrap up on this. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and are very excited for our golf outing, the CHGO Kickoff Classic, on August 25th. Pins and Aces is going to be helping supporting us. All players will be getting a CHGO Pins and Aces golf towel as well with the uh, ticket sign-up. They're a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and treat, keep drinks cold the entire round. So check out PinsandAces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's PinsandAces.com. That's Vinny Duber. Follow him uh, at Vinny Duber and make sure you read his work at AllCHGO.com. He's got a piece about Groot Santos um, taking it over the closer role and what Liam Hendricks had to say about that. Also about Luis Robert Jr.'s massive home run on Tuesday. So if you're looking to catch up uh, check out allchgo.com and thank you to hooters for supporting our crosstown uh coverage chgo crosstown classic coverage is presented by hooters hooters is your spot to catch all the games this season step up to the plate for their world famous wings delicious seafood snack sandwiches salads great drink specials and more at hooters it's always easy to pick a winner 11 chicago land locations visit originalhooters.com for more info that's herb lawrence follow him at ecknerwall 23 follow the show at chgo underscore white Sox, and you can follow me at sean underscore w underscore anderson thank you to everyone for hanging out and make sure you hit that thumbs up button we'll talk to you tomorrow Goodbye.